The following content is rated explicit for language in adult situations. So listen with headphones. Or don't. We don't judge. Have you ever wished that your world had more magic? Or that your favorite character had survived? How about a full-length spinoff of your favorite childhood series? Then do we have a podcast for you. Hello, Fire Whiskers. I'm Claire. And I'm Kat. And this is Fire Whiskey and Honey, the podcast about your favorite novel-length Potter fan fiction. The Debt of Time. Each episode, we read a chapter of this story. And try to stay on topic. Which is easier said than done. Without further ado, here's this week's chapter of The Debt of Time. I can't even hear that, you know. Nope. Got nothing. Weird. I can hear you talk, but I can't hear that. It's a magic singing bowl that you cannot hear. I feel like Hannah Beth is going to be able to hear it. (laughs) I don't know why you can't. Oh, you know what? It might be Zoom filtering out background noise. Maybe. But How dare you, Zoom? Yeah. I have a singing bowl. Why did you get this? Why did you get this? Because I have ADHD and I hyper-focused and I decided to build my yoga practice and I realized that to build my yoga practice, I definitely needed a singing bowl. I've used it once. It, It cracks me up because I was like, I know how I'm going to defeat this. I'm going to put things in my cart, and if they are still there after an extended period of time, and every time I see them in the cart, I go, I still need this. Well, I add them to the cart and then put them to save for later. And then if I still see them in my save for later, which I review fairly often, I'm like, you know what? It's been in my save for later forever. I still haven't gotten past it. I definitely need it. I'm going to buy it. It is never a life-changing purchase. I had a dryer sheet holder in my save for later for two years and did not delete it because I was like, no, I'm definitely, I still want it. I'm just, I I haven't come to the point where I'm like, yes, I want to spend $10 on this. A $10 thing that sat in my save, save for later for two years since buying this house. And I finally, I was like, you know what? I'm going to get it. I, you know, I was doing laundry and I got frustrated because I couldn't find the box. So I got it. I slapped it on the side of my dryer. I threw the thing in there. When you throw them on their side, they still kind of lean to the back. So you still have to like awkwardly reach in to like grab them because they're not like tissues. They don't automatically come out. And it's just super frustrating. I mean, I always know where my dryer sheets are, but I still have to take them out of the holder to pull them out. And then I put it back and I'm like, I had this image of how this was going to work and it did not work like this. Um, the singing bowl, I had it in my save for later for like a year. And then I was like, you know what? I'm getting really into yoga. I've done it like three times this week. I'm going to get the singing bowl. I'm going to be super Zen. I haven't done yoga in like three months. No, no, I did do it the other day, but like I've done yoga like once in the last six months. And I was just like, I'm, I mean, I did walk around the house with the singing bowl one day when I was feeling like a whole lot of bad juju and I just started banging the crap out of it and going, if you're a bad vibe, get out of my house. If you're a bad vibe, get out of my house. And I did that and I felt better. Um, and my house felt less slouchy afterwards, but like, 
Yeah, that's all I've used it for. <laughs> I did go in every corner of my house and like push towards the front door. Um, and then my neighbor was there when I swept open the front door and just started beating the crap out of the singing bowl. <laughs> and I'm standing there like with my hair in a towel and a robe on and my house Crocs with the bluey decals or stickers on them. And I'm just like beating a bowl. And then I was like, hello, Larry. And then I closed the door and that was that. You know, most people sage their house to get rid of evil. I right? have a small child and a dog and a husband who would call me out for using my witchy bullshit in the house. Um, I do have cleansing room sprays that don't linger as much. And also I have mild asthma. So like filling my house with smoky stuff is probably not the best idea. Um, I do like burning. I use garden sage, like just the crap you get at the grocery store in the spice aisle because one it's a heck of a lot cheaper than smudge sticks two i can't smudge because that's a closed practice um i, I can sane which is a celtic version which it, they use like juniper i think but um yeah so i don't i've used black sage and blue sage and i use that to like cleanse my tarot cards but in terms of like cleansing my house, I prefer to use sound because as the child of somebody with extreme allergies, I am very sensitive to the fact that people may come into my house with extreme allergies that I am not aware of. And so I try to be scent friendly and smoke friendly. <laughs> yeah. Have we talked about the mango story on the podcast yet? I don't know. We talk about so much crap. I yeah, I know. I've got like three years worth of content. We're coming up on our 30 year anniversary, which means we need to come up with shit to do for the 30 year anniversary. Um, but uh, circa probably my sister was in high school and driving. So probably 2002, maybe early 2003. No, she was a bartender at that point she'd come home from college she'd become a bartender so 2004 5 2005 i think 2004 2005 somewhere in there um i am somewhere between 13 and 14 we went to albertson's we got a mango my sister and i love well my sister loves mango she was going to introduce me to mango because at 14 15 i had not yet had a mango um mainly because my mother is deathly allergic to them and and all fruit, including citrus and oranges, not lemons and limes, weirdly, but um, she can have a screwdriver if it's got vodka in it. Obviously, a screwdriver has vodka in it. But anyway, we can't do fruit in my house. And that includes tomatoes and cucumbers. Cucumber melon, Bath and Body Works almost murdered my mother in the 90s because she would just start sneezing uncontrollably every time we walked past the store. Um, but anyway, my mother especially is allergic to mangoes, like breaks out in a rash every year when they bloom. It's terrible. But we got a mango and we sneak it into the house and we're like, she's upstairs. Um, and I think she was in the shower. So my house was not an open floor plan. It was very closed off. So we are in the enclosed kitchen. My mother is upstairs in her bedroom with, with the door closed, in her bathroom with the door closed, in the shower. And my sister and I are with downstairs. The door closed. Well, there's only <laughs> one door for the bathroom. Or does, is it a curtain? Uh. But yes. But it, it is a very convoluted, like, th th there's many, many walls and floors between us and doors. 
And my sister cuts open the mango and, you know, she splits it in half and she starts scoring it. And all we hear from upstairs is, get that mango out of the house. <laughs> it was just like, we cut into this mango two minutes ago. You are upstairs in the shower with at least two doors and a floor between us. And still and then we had to take the mango outside to eat it and dispose of it into the trash can outside after which we were then responsible for taking the trash out every night until trash day because what we appear to have had some technical difficulties where cat lost recording so we're sorry to interrupt the mango story the ending is that we took the mango outside and ate it it was very sad i mean it was delicious i enjoyed it greatly but my mother almost died and was very upset with us. Not actually almost died, but there was a lot of sneezing involved and a lot of, I can't believe you brought that into my house. And after that, we never ate mango in the house again. Now back to our regularly scheduled show. Okay, say hello to the people and read me a story. Hello, noise. Huh? Oh, actually, no, no, no. There are three listeners in particular that I want to listen, or that I want to say hello to. Because apparently... We have one listener in Iceland, one listener in Argentina, and one listener in Liechtenstein. And I would like to Where say the hello. Hell is Liechtenstein? Liechtenstein? I want to say that? it's in Europe. It's uh, next to Belgium, I believe. Oh. I'm going to double check, okay. but I believe my global affairs brain is correct. Let's see. Uh, ew, gross. Apple Maps. It is a German-speaking microstate located in the Alps between Austria and Switzerland. Okay, so I was, in fact, wrong about the location. Jesus Christ, where the fuck? Oh, my God, it's so small. Oh, it's tiny. Oh, no wonder there's only one listener there. Apparently, only, like, one person lives there. It's so... (laughs) Dear God, it's, like, the size of Rhode Island. Wow. Okay. Economically, Liechtenstein has one of the highest gross domestic products per person in the world when adjusted for purchasing power party, parity. The country has a strong financial sector centred in Vaduz. Vaduz? It was once known as a billionaire tax haven, but it is no longer on any official blacklist of uncooperative tax haven countries. Phenomenal. They use the Swiss franc. Thurgott, Thirst, und Vaterland. I do not speak German. I spoke that wrong. Something about the fatherland. Anyway, fascinating. Look at you, Liechtenstein. You're so small. You're so tiny. That is not where I thought it was. Oh, I'm thinking of Luxembourg. And every person who's in Luxembourg is now mad at me. Because they're like, how could you get this confused? But it's okay. I love you all. As long as you listen to us. Yeah, there's Brussels, there's Belgium, there's... God, this is a terrible map. I hate Apple Maps. Why are you so awful, Apple Maps? Oh, there's Luxembourg. Okay, so it's to the south of Belgium, not the north. Eh, close enough. Anyway, and this has been Countries of the World with Claire. Well... Alright, um, also, in case you have not noticed, we do not have Hannah Beth with us tonight. And, quote, We're still eating dinner, so plan without me. We shall.
and we'll miss you terribly. And if case you haven't noticed, Claire has turned into Madonna and is going into this weird accent between like English and English. But that's so fine. okay. So fuck it. We always do a long tangent in the beginning, and people, if they don't like it, they can skip past it, and then hopefully we tangent less throughout the episode. Um, I have been listening. I have finally really gotten into audiobooks like I I there, there were a couple that I would listen to and that I would enjoy but um there is an author I believe it's Lisa Kleypas who does Victorian era romance novels um and she does this whole series that I adore but somebody in one of my romance novel or I think it's like upturned petticoats or something like that it's like a historical romance Facebook group um somebody posted a screenshot of one of my favorite books of hers. And I was like, oh, now I have to reread the entire series. So I did, but I was driving a lot and I was cooking. I've been cooking more. And my big struggle with focus is that my brain wants to do the things it wants to do as opposed to the things that it needs to do. Um, so what I realized is if I got the audiobook versions of these books, I could have my cake and eat it too and listen to the books while cooking. So I got the audiobook for, what was it? Marrying Winterborn? I don't think that was the first one, but whatever. And I was listening to, it's the Ravenel series. It's very good. But anyway, I was listening to these and the woman who reads it, reads it in an English accent. And I realized that my inner monologue had in fact become English. And so when I was texting people, I was speaking more properly and using British syntax instead of American syntax. And reading everything that I texted and commented that day, I realized I'd written it with a British accent in my head. <laughs> so that's sort of what's been happening. Um, also, Winterborn is uh, Welsh, and apparently there's a sound, and, and I feel like this was probably made up for the book but if we have any welsh listeners there's a sound that winterborn makes and it's woofed and it's kind of like whenever he like it's i guess the equivalent of or Ugh. um but it's just like whenever somebody says something that you like don't agree with instead of just going uh you just go woofed and i've started doing that and my kid did it the other day and it was really cute <laughs> he just went woofed i was like yeah but so I, I hope he picks that up instead of going, ah, because hooft is much cuter. But anyway, I'll stop hoofting and we will get into this week's episode. What like, It's like sometimes when you're texting us in the group chat, I'm like, Claire, this isn't a work email. You don't have to be that proper. Like, shut up. It's because my inner brain is speaking in a British accent. Okay. So what had happened was, because I didn't write this down because oh, the God. last time we recorded was late as F. So it was late I as F. It too, is still late as too. F tonight. But. Yes. But from what I remember, what, who are we now? Are we Maya or Hermione? We're Maya again. Yes, That's we are we Maya are. again. <laughs> we are Patricia. No, we are Maya. Okay. So, from what I remember is we were still having the conversation about how she did dirty things with Remus and Sirius, I believe is what the conversation was. And Ginny being like, not really shocked, but like, tell me everything, spill the tea kind of thing. And then 
what was at the end. I guess Molly Weasley found out or overheard their conversation or something, and Maya was like, can you swim by chance? <laughs> like, guess where you're going? So... Oh, and wasn't there something about somebody asking how Tonks feels about that? And she just, like, magically appears and she's just like, yeah, I already knew. <laughs> like, so she just, like, appears out of nowhere. Like, I just feel like when people are, like, talking about her, she just, like, pops up out the ground. It's like, hi! Yeah, so I, I think she was in the vicinity or, like, had already been invited over and she just so happened to walk in when they were like, how does Tonks feel about this? Um, and Tonks was like, yeah, it's fine. But, um... Uh, Hermione Maya gave Ginny the bracelet, um, her copy of it. Um, and then Hermione scared the shit out of Ron because she asked if, um, I almost said Winterborn, <laughs> um, Pettigrew, Wormtail, suffered. And oh, yeah. Ron was like, yeah, he was fucking terrified. He like choked to death. That's a bad way to go. And Maya was just like, good and he's like oh fuck you're scary um but uh ron and Ginny went home and uh sirius and lupin and maya are filling harry in on stories about his parents and what they were like uh but then molly shows up and apparently ron had spilled the beans about her being with sirius and had tried to explain it and being Ron did it very badly. Um, and <laughs> somebody mentioned, you know, it was a long time ago or you don't know what you're talking about. It's been going up. Um, shit. Okay. I want to make, I want to make sure I get it right. And I know this probably drives you guys nuts when you're listening, but, um, <sighs> Uh, Molly gets mad, accusing Sirius of deflowering Hermione. And Sirius is like, why am I getting the blame for this? It was Remus. And um, Remus is like trying to be the calm one and be like, Molly, you don't understand what's going on here. It was a long time ago. Um, And Molly starts ripping into them going, she was just a child. You filthy beasts. How could you do this? And Sirius and Remus are like, Molly, you need to calm the fuck down because Maya will fucking kill you. And then that's when the can you swim thing came out. Um, Chapter 131. Issues with propriety. September 20th, 1998. Jesus fucking Christ. We're still on September 20th. This last like four episodes. With Harry, Ginny, Ron, and Molly looking on in utter confusion, Remus and Sirius jumped toward Maya, the former stepping in between the two witches, while the latter wrapped his arms around the younger and turned her away from the Weasley matriarch, yanking her hand out of her pocket to find her palm empty. Sirius glared briefly at Maya for the ruse, and she grinned slyly at him and winked. "'What in Circe's name is happening?' Molly demanded, looking apoplectic. "'God, Fucking damn it, Shia. Apoplectic. Ap- apoplectic. There it is. I was putting the syllable. <laughs> the emphasis on the wrong syllable. Apoplectic. Apoplectic. Yeah, because yeah, I, I, I always try to do apoplectic, it, but it's yeah, apoplectic. Because the way it's spelled and the way it's pronounced is not correct. Because it should be A-P-A it. and not A-P-O. Yeah. Apoplectic. There it is. By the way, who's Cersei? Oh, 
CRC is um, a witch who was featured oh. in uh, Homer's The Odyssey. She's a sea witch. Well, she turns good. men into pigs, if I'm not mistaken. She's kind of like one of the OG witches in terms of like mythology and that kind of shit. Okay. Molly demanded, looking apoplectic, as she shook her finger around as though she were unaware to whom she should be directing her ire. With Sirius and Maya distracted, she settled on Remus. You had better! Molly, Remus said, his voice calm, but his eyes intense. I'm saying this because I respect you, and I understand you are confused and upset. But it would be astonishingly unwise of you to insult either myself or Sirius at this moment. I'm not afraid of you, she shot back, likely thinking that he was threatening her. It's not us you should be afraid of, Sirius barked, struggling to contain the witch in his arms, who was now, in a fury, trying to turn around to face Molly, the mirth gone from her. Mrs. Weasley, Harry jumped in to try and calm the situation down. Please sit. What the hell is everyone shouting about? Tonk snapped as she walked into the room carrying a teary-eyed Teddy, who was now sporting black hair. Tonks looked at her husband, who was protectively guarding Sirius, who was tightly gripping a snarling and struggling Maya, while Molly stood at the other end of the room, a wand palmed securely in her hand. Tonks! Molly cried, rushing towards her. Oh, you poor dear! You and Teddy shouldn't have to see this! Several things happened very quickly the moment that Molly reached out to touch the baby, her wand still in hand. Sirius released Maya, and, in tandem, Remus took a hold of Tonks's arm as Maya retrieved Teddy from her hands. The baby was shifted into Harry's arms as he was maneuvered behind Maya. Somehow, Ginny was pulled into the mix as well, until Molly stood with Ron alone at her side, facing off against a werewolf and two animagi, protecting their own. Pack. Remus stood at the front with Sirius and Maya flanking him, almost as though ready for battle, although, unlike their defensive stances, Remus's body language was guarded and his eyes were soft, ever the peacekeeper. He had one hand held out to either side, a silent plea for Sirius and Maya to rein in their tempers and not act on instinct. "'I'm sorry, Molly,' Remus said. "'I'm aware that you would not consciously threaten my family.' but you have to admit you have a bad temper. I need to ask you to lower your wand. Molly's mouth had fallen open in the bustle, and though she was clearly still irate and confused, she glanced in Maya's direction and finally relented, setting her wand very slowly down on the table to the side of her. What's happened? Remus sighed in relief, and Remus saw the tension drain from Maya's shoulders just as his had done. Ron watched in evident confusion as he was separated from the group, left there beside his mother, who was, a tr- who was the triggering threat. He looked at everyone across from him, and his eyes turned to Maya. "'It's because I left, isn't it?' he asked, referencing his greatest mistake, abandoning the group on the Horcrux hunt. "'You are family, Ronald,' Maya promised him, trying to keep her voice calm and kind all at the same time something that Molly's stiff posture was making difficult. But you're not Peck. Peck? Molly asked, her brows furrowed, her eyes drawn immediately to Remus and Tonks at the word. 
However, as she scanned over the other two at the forefront, her gaze landed on the scar peeking out at the juncture of Maya's neck and shoulder. She gasped loudly and looked like she was about to start screaming again. Petrificus Totalis! Maya aimed her wand at Molly, who immediately froze solid and then tipped backwards. With Ron in shock at the entire scene and unable to react fast enough to catch his mother, Maya cast a cushioning charm so Molly did not crack her head on the floor when she fell. Get her up, set her on the sofa. No one unfreeze her unless they plan on taking her wand and silencing her. I'm quite done with all of the screaming. I don't understand, Harry said as he moved to help Ron carry Molly to the sofa. She seemed to be calming down. What happened? Maya moved her shirt to completely reveal the scar on her shoulder. She saw this, and like every other uninformed idiot in the wizarding world that doesn't bother learning a bloody thing about lycanthropy, she took it to mean that Remus either claimed me as a mate, which is impossible, as he already has one, she said, rolling her eyes, or that he turned me into a werewolf, which offends me on his behalf. Harry stared at the scar. Hermione, that's a bite wound. I never said it wasn't. I will, however, say that it's no one's business but my own. I'm perfectly fine with answering questions I feel the need to answer, she said, her eyes darting to Ron and Molly, who were now sitting side by side, the latter unfrozen but magically silenced, as requested. I do not owe any explanations, especially to people who jump to their own conclusions. It's a pack mark. Sirius said, showing his own on his shoulder, informing everyone, since Maya was now too angry to do so. It magically binds us to Remus. We were not attacked. We were completely willing. And Maya's right. The details are no one's fucking business. When Maya smirked at him, he furrowed his brow. What? You called me Maya, she said, her smug little grin vanishing at the confused expression on Molly's face. I'm going to get really tired of telling the story repeatedly. Somebody else do it while I get some fresh air. She turned to leave the room, stopping when something occurred to her. Oh, have Ron and Molly make an oath not to say another word about this to anyone until I can tell the rest of the world. And then... And then someone call an order meeting. Let's get this mess over and done with. Okay, Judy attitude <laughs> Judy attitude Sounds like my sounds like my boss the other day. So this person calls her and she goes, "Good morning, director. Beep. Or how are you?" And she goes, "Director beep, beep. is just fine." And I was like, "Oh snap!" <laughs> Judy attitude indeed. I was like, "Holy crap!" And I started laughing. And then, like at the end of the conversation, she apologized. She's like, "I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to like." not call you by your name and she was just like uh-huh uh-huh and i was just like well you, you're just apologizing because you want something <laughs> i hate when people do that like i personally i don't have any titles but like my thing is and i've seen people who have titles who do this um they generally don't force the it's doctor so-and-so unless you're a total douchebag 
in which, or you're trying to like talk over them because you don't realize that they're well versed in whatever. But like, I, I feel like that should be something that you use as like a secret trump card as a you need to step back and step down move and not as a we're starting the conversation with this because like I used to work in an office of military services at a university and we would have people walk in and be like um you know uh, this is my daughter, you know, Susie Smith. Okay, Mr. Smith, that's Captain. Okay, Captain Smith. And like, it used to drive me freaking bonkers. And this one guy walked in when Captain Douchebag Smith was, his last name wasn't actually Smith, when Captain Douchebag was there. And he walked in and he was like, hey, I'm Bob. I'm here to check on my transcripts or whatever. And we're like, hi, Bob. And this guy, Captain Douchebag, was just being a real snot. And he was like, I don't understand what the issue is with my daughter doing it. And we're like, she's a dependent. That doesn't apply to her. We get that you're a captain, but that, yeah. And for those of you who are not aware, captain is like an 03 in the, no, sorry. He was Navy. So he was an 06, which is a fairly big deal. It's the same as being a colonel. So it is very high ranking. But um, Bob, who is not actually named Bob, kind of sees this and he was a frequent person in the office and well frequent I'd seen him like twice but anyway he was very nice and he kind of winked at me when he was leaving and he was like it was good to see you miss Claire and I was like good to see you too general and he walked out and Captain Douchebag looked over and he was like what and I'm like oh he was a major general in the Marine Corps. And he was like, uh, uh, oh, I was like, yes, yes. He, yeah, he, he ranked you by a bit. <laughs> I, I, I get you people work hard for this, but at some point you just have to just like, because I don't go around asking people to call me doctor all the time. I mean, I don't. There's people who pursue titles yeah. because they want the title and there's people who pursue it because they want the education the experience all that kind of stuff the money but like i if you've worked for it and you want somebody to call you doctor like i get the excitement about that if you're using it as a way to try and get your way even though you're not going to get your way now you're kind of a dick yeah but, but- everybody over there got big egos because i told you about the email thing right that's stupid you did not. We will discuss oh, that. We will that? discuss that offline because I'm sure you don't want that on the podcast. And we're back with a story about how egos get in the way. It's very Miranda Priestly, and she now works at TV Guide. <laughs> like that's exactly what it is. Good lord. Uh, yeah. Yeah. No. I I hate I hate egos. Um, I did. Speaking of egos, uh, <laughs> so I go to therapy every other Monday. It's great. Um, God, I haven't been in therapy in a long time since I started this job because I can't fit it in my schedule. I literally do it during my lunch break. Um, can't do it. Yep. So I, I, I do a telehealth appointment so I don't have to go anywhere. And I just, so it literally only takes me, you know, 55 minutes. Um, but I only get 45, which bothers me. 
It's such an odd number. Like usually it's 30 or an hour, but whatever. Um, but I, you know, she, when she's doing, I guess Monday is her telehealth day. So she works from home. Um, and so we're talking the other day and somebody with an extraordinarily loud muffler, um, drives past and it's, you know, clearly like you can tell by the sound of it that it's one of those big trucks. Um, because it's like, you know, it's not the Honda Accord muffler. It's the F-350 muffler. Um, and I just hear the, and it's so effing loud. And before my filter had a chance to kick in, I just said, man, I can hear how small his dick is from here. (laughs) She fucking lost it. And I want to make it very clear. I am not body shaming. It it ain't about what you're packing. It's about how you use it. But I will forever believe that men with unnecessarily large trucks are making up for a lack of confidence elsewhere. Um, and like I in will... Shrek. I think he's compensating for something. Exactly. Which, given some of the censorship that we see in television shows today, I can't believe certain movies are still allowed to be shown to children. But <laughs> Shrek is a terrible movie. Great jokes for adults. Um, but, but no, it just... I've made her... I. One of the great joys I get in therapy is making my therapists laugh, which I know is a coping mechanism. <laughs> just and I've gotten I've gotten big laughs before. That one was just like I'm if she'd been drinking something, it would have come out her nose because it came so quickly out of left field. Like my comic brain took over and just and we were talking about the podcast and I was telling her about how I had a fan come up to me and it was like one of the greatest moments of my life and how, you know, I got recognized. It's great. Um, but like, and I keep telling that story because it really, and I'm so bad with names. I can't remember what her name was. I know she shared it in the group, but really and truly it was one of the highlights. I am going to remember that for the rest of my life. It was wonderful. Um, but I was talking about, I'm like, yeah, you know, I think I'm pretty funny. And I'm realizing that, you know, if I won the lottery tomorrow, I'd want to be a podcaster for a living. And now I'm trying to figure out, like, is there a way that I can make that happen? Um, Which is a very scary thing to say in your 30s, because you should be done dreaming in your 30s, or at least that's what we're told when we're young. But anyway, but the fact that my comic brain came out with that very quickly, I was very proud. And I was like, see, I am entertaining. This is why I'm good at podcasting. (laughs) Also... Sad news. I did not win the $1.27 billion lottery ticket thing, which is sad. But also the sad part is that technically you only end up with like $450 million after taxes, which is really fucking depressing. <laughs> but anyway. But it's $450 million you didn't have before. It, it, <laughs> and like I added up. All of our debt, like mortgage, cars, you know, loans we took out for the four-wheeler, like everything that I could think of that we possibly owe money on, um, I added up approximate mortgage payments left for all of our siblings and parents and the cost it would 
take to buy a house for the two that don't have houses. And altogether, it was like a million and a half dollars. And I was like, that's one 450th of this like price. <laughs> when you look at that kind of money and you've never come close to making six figures in your life, like I, I genuinely don't know how I would ever spend that much money. Like I kept yeah. trying to come up with ways to spend it. And I still consistently had like $150 million left over. And I'm like, because I think it was like 140, it was $455 million was what you were going to be left with. And like adding up everything and it was like $5 million was the high end of what I thought I was going to spend. And that was including a, you know, $1 million trust fund for my child. Yeah. <laughs> Money ruins everything for you, especially movies you used to love. We were watching Home Alone, the second one, when he's in New York, and Dark Wizard kept being like, can you imagine what if Kevin stayed in that plaza today, how much that would cost? Like, back then, it was this, and then he spent this much on, I'm just like, oh my god, can you just watch the movie? <laughs> and then he kept saying, like, and nobody is watching this child on the street scream. Nobody cares that this child is screaming. Nobody cares that Joe Pesci is shouting, I'm going to shoot you, kid. Because they are in New York and they're used to hearing noises. Like, it was New York nobody and it was cares. the 90s. <laughs> yeah. And I told him, well, it makes sense. Because on one of the Comedians in Cars episode, he had Alec Baldwin on. And they were talking about living in New York. And like Alec's like, yeah, 2 o'clock in the morning outside my window. Fuck you, Steven! Fuck you, Steven! And I'm just like... Yeah, yeah, that sounds about right. New York doesn't care. And I'm just like, yeah, this kid is standing there screaming his head off and nobody cares. New York, like, New York. Gets out and then he town. goes... And then he's like, and all the things that he puts them through and they're not dead. Like, he electrocutes Marv. He does this Joe Pesci. And it's like, they should be dead or in a coma and they're not. And I'm just like... And we're going to take this Watch. moment to memorialize the greatest line from any of those movies. Wow. What a hole. <laughs> yeah. It's like, what a hole. That, that, like, that line wrecks me and my sister every fucking year. Yeah, because Dark Wizard's like, who doesn't look down before they step somewhere? Like, who does that? And I'm like, and this is why they have to rob people to make money, because they don't know... Like, we're not the wet bandits anymore. We're the sticky bandits. Yeah. Right. And my favorite part is like when they get caught and the cop tells them that they already exchanged gifts at jail. And he's like, man, <laughs> I like the gifts. Yeah. It's like, yeah, here's your shiv made out of a toothbrush. Merry Christmas. <laughs> <sighs> uh, here's your monkey pox. Oh, fuck me, my throat. That's what he said. <laughs> <laughs> well then Maya sat on the front porch of Grimold Place wishing like hell that it was her old flat in Diagon Alley or the back gardens of Potter Manor Grimold Place was not home she brought the cigarette she had stolen from the pack in Sirius's leather jacket to her lips and inhaled as she blew the smoke out through her nose letting the heat warm her a touch she frowned hold on, pause I just realized I haven't done a text check to make sure that Jimmy's not... Okay, we're good. 
Did you say hex check? Text check. If, like, oh, something's thought, going on with the kid or something and he needs help. I thought you said hex, and I'm like, you've been reading too much Harry Potter to me now. You're using real words. Hex check. Um. <clears throat> As she blew the smoke out through her nose, letting the heat warm her a touch, she frowned, knowing that she would need to quit. It was one thing to sneak one or two during stressful times, but she knew she did not want Harry or Ron picking up the habit, and she detested being a hypocrite. I'm not going to do it now because we've been on a tangent binge, but there was a thing I wanted to talk about why Maya had such a different relationship with James and Sirius than she did with Harry and Ron, but we'll discuss that in a later episode. Okay. I see you really have changed, Molly muttered quietly as she stepped out onto the porch, wandless, which was smart of whoever had allowed her to leave the room. She eyed the smoke distastefully, and Maya rolled her eyes. I plan on quitting. So, are we okay? Molly swallowed and began wringing her hand. It's quite the story. I have a hard time believing it, but seeing that I never had the pleasure of meeting Maya Potter, it's not as though you can offer me much proof, can you? She asked, sighing irritably. And while I understand that you might have been the same age when you were in Hogwarts with... with him, you're still just a young girl now, and he's a grown man. He is the love of my life, and looks at me the way Arthur looks at you, Maya said firmly, watching as Molly's eyes softened slightly. I understand you have a habit of mothering the motherless, but I've had two mothers who taught me to stand on my own two feet and make my own decisions. One of those mothers also raised the man inside whom you are judging. Something I should tell you has earned several witches a trip to the Black Lake under my hand. Molly looked to be struggling with the obvious threats coming from the girl who, as of yesterday, was just a sweet muggle-born witch whom she had thought of as one of her own. Hermione, he is... Molly, I will only say this once. You do not know Sirius Black. Do not pretend that you do. Sirius tries to behave himself in the face of insults because he doesn't want to put Harry in the uncomfortable position of feeling like he has to choose between your family and his own. I, however, will not tolerate any defamation of Sirius's character. That ends tonight. Molly took the words in slowly, hopefully processing the clear threat and trying to consolidate her memories of Hermione Granger with the story she had likely heard from her husband all those years ago about Maya Potter. Then may I ask, Molly began quietly, her eyes lingering on the scar on Maya's shoulder. No, Maya replied, her tone carefully polite. Werewolf magic is misunderstood. Remus has proven himself time and time again, and he should not have to continually answer questions of his own honor merely because of prejudice and rumors surrounding his condition. Molly, Maya sighed, rubbing the bridge of her nose, speaking ill of Sirius is one thing I will not tolerate, but I have been known to have very little, if any, control over my actions when it comes to those who speak ill of Remus. Molly did not look surprised, but she certainly seemed curious, proven when she nosily asked, 
Why, may I ask, do you defend him more than the man you're supposedly in love with? First, there's no supposedly, Maya answered immediately, feeling a bit relieved when Molly looked regretful of her word choice. As for my defense of Remus, while I don't like anyone speaking ill of Sirius, I know that when push comes to shove, he'll push back. Remus won't. He'll take everything you say and compartmentalize it to think about later when he's feeling sorry for himself. He will sacrifice his very life to defend others, but he won't fight back against uncivil words to defend himself. So, I do it for him. Molly only nodded. I'm beginning to understand. I still, however, think it's inappropriate that you're living with... I know that you and Arthur were having sex at Hogwarts without contraceptive charms. Ha! I knew it! I knew it! I was thinking it and I knew it! Because I didn't know for sure because this whole entire time I was thinking, who's calling the cauldron black now, muggle? I knew it! I love you so much. I knew it! Who's calling the cauldron black now, muggle? I love you. Yeah. Jesus. Minutes later, Molly and Maya walked back into the house with sweet smiles on their faces. Molly's expression a little tenser than Maya's, and her face a bit redder in hue. Without divulging a single word about their conversation outside, Molly approached Remus inside. I am so very sorry for what I said, Remus. You are a good man. And I hope that you can find it in your heart to forgive me. Remus stared at her in mild shock. I, uh, of, of, of course, Molly, of course. She then turned to Sirius, who raised a challenging eyebrow at her, clearly not expecting the same kind of treatment she had just given Remus. Instead, Molly approached him and kissed his cheek kindly. And you, she mumbled, swallowing down her pride, which looked to be several mouthfuls. I am very pleased that you found a good witch who can keep you in line. You're pleased? Sirius asked incredulously. Very. Pleased I'm with Hermione. Clearing her throat, she said, I am. Lifting a brow, he asked, Pleased that, how did you put it? Defiling her? Molly bristled, looking back at Maya once as though trying to remind herself of previous threats, and stiffly nodded. Sirius grinned slightly. Really? Even though she's only nineteen? Molly's nostrils flared at the obvious attempt at provocation. And she's living with me, playing house, living in sin, shacking up. You, Molly Weasley, are pleased... With all of this. Pads, Remus cautioned. I am fine, Molly said through clenched teeth. Did you imperious her? Sirius asked, turning around and looking at Maya. A few people laughed until they realized that neither Remus nor Sirius were even smiling. When all attention was brought back to Maya, she rolled her eyes. Come now, love. You know, I've never been very good at unforgivables. My aim is off. You didn't drink anything she gave you, 
Did you, Molly? Remus asked, a look of concern etched onto his face. Maya let her mouth fall open, an offended gasp escaping her. I did not poison her, Remus! Remus smirked at her. The serpent beguiled me, and I did eat. Maya glared at him. No offense, love, Sirius said with a laugh, but your reputation precedes you. She narrowed her eyes at the both of them, and then turned, pretending to be offended, and walked out of the room. When she was certain to be gone and out of hearing range, Sirius turned back to Molly, his intention engaged like a spoilt child. What did she blackmail you with? I love that part. <laughs> just like Maya being, or Molly just being like, yes, I am thrilled that you defiled a teenager and are living with her in sin. <laughs> After Molly left, taking Ron and Ginny back to the burrow with her, Sirius insisted that the Lupins stay the night, knowing that Maya would love to see them in the morning. Tonks declined because she had to work early, but she insisted that Remus stay at Grimmauld Place because he would be anxious otherwise. With Remus and Harry sent off to bed, Sirius made his way up the stairs toward his room, nervously stepping through the door to find his witch, curled up in the center of his bed, cuddling with the large, orned kneesel. Crookshanks was rubbing the side of his face against hers, and Maya was smiling at the action, just letting him nuzzle her. It looks like someone missed you. Maya looked up and grinned at him. It took Crooks a while to warm up to me again, she said, scratching the cat behind his ears. What happened to Snuffles? I didn't expect him to live long enough to see me again. He was just a regular cat, after all. I gave him to Lily, Sirius said, as he closed the door behind him and made his way over to the bed, his hand shoved into the front pockets of his jeans. That thing never liked me to begin with. I think when... He stopped, leaving a pregnant pause in the air between them. He probably escaped and became a great menace to the rest of Godric's Hollow. Infamous stray cat that sneaked into people's homes, scratched them, and then just left. Maya quirked her lips at him and watched as Crookshanks dropped off the bed, curling up in front of the fireplace in the corner of the room and falling fast asleep. Is everything set for tomorrow? Sirius dipped his head in confirmation. Order meeting at the burrow. Molly's making dinner for everyone. And the Malfoys? Tonks went back to Dromeda's house to ask them to come. How is Narcissa? Maya questioned curiously. The last time I saw her, she was less than thrilled to be in my presence. St. Mungo's, right? Sirius asked. The night I was attacked. Maya frowned at the mention of that night. Mum made me leave your room and fetch her some tea. I think she wanted me to get out and walk around a bit. I was... distraught. Sirius nodded uncomfortably. Obviously, he said, breaking out a smirk for her. I was unconscious, and therefore you were reliant on prongs for decent conversation. As it is, Sissa seemed rather excited to see you again, for some fucking reason. Does Draco know about me? He shook his head. Not that I'm aware. He knows about us being bonded, though, at least partially. Little shit likes to try and tease me about it any chance he gets. Maya laughed quietly to herself as she moved to stand, 
walking to the closet where she browsed through Sirius's clothing until she found an old Sex Pistols t-shirt that was too big for her. He and I have had conversations about it, she said as she began stripping her clothing off. Sirius turned his back to give her privacy. It's been years for me, of course, but I remember he said he knew because of the life debt you collected from Narcissa. He put all the pieces together and figured out how I brought you back from the veil. Probably learned about the ritual from his father, Sirius said, glancing over his shoulder as he watched her crawl back into the bed and cover herself with the blankets. It seems like something a Death Eater would try to learn, using life debts to bind people to them. She eyed him teasingly. Comparing me to Death Eaters now? Sirius laughed uncomfortably. Hardly. You're much smarter than any Death Eater I've ever met. It's strange, though, she frowned, reaching up to rub at the tension in her shoulders. I I feel like, like I'm still preparing for war. Yesterday it was all just really beginning for us, and today it's all over. I don't think my body realizes it can relax now. I don't even know what to do with myself. I don't have a job or a purpose anymore. Sirius made his way to the side of the bed, sitting behind her and pushing her long curls to the side so he could rub her neck and shoulders. She moaned softly at the touch of his hands, and Sirius winced painfully at the sound. You can do anything you want to do now. I'm sure you'll figure it out. Why didn't you take Kingsley up on his offer to rejoin the Aurors? I remember in Hogwarts you said you wanted to be an Auror, and I was shocked because you'd never told us, Harry and me, I mean. Why is that? I... I left the Aurors after you. Maya turned around to face him, her brows pinched together, creating a little line. Why? You left your job. Sirius sighed loudly and rubbed his hands down his face. Because the ministry was corrupt, and I couldn't do a thing about it. I tried to investigate your disappearance, and they put a stop to me at every juncture. Now I know why, but back then I was livid. Moody was on my case constantly about sticking my nose where it didn't belong. One day I snapped and quit. He casually added, I might have threatened him. Maya snorted. (laughs) How did he take that? Sirius shrugged. I was arrested and put in a holding cell for a few weeks. Remus didn't tell you much about what it was like after you left, did he? She shook her head. No, not much. I didn't really want to hear about it at first, but I do now if you're willing to share. He swallowed down his worries. Ask me anything and I'll tell you. Why, Peter? Sirius recoiled slightly, feeling as though the breath had been knocked clean out of him. Fuck, you're just going right for it, aren't you? She frowned, but then nodded. I need closure, and I think we both need forgiveness. Sirius sighed and looked away from her, not willing to meet her eyes. I didn't trust Remus, not even after you begged me to, made me promise to. He said shamefully. We were fighting all the time in Wormtail. You were gone and he showed right up, the little shit. He seemed so, well, you remember, harmless. 
I remember. I made a mistake, and I'll regret it for the rest of my life, he very nearly whispered. Maya looked down at his hands, which had been fidgeting in his lap as he spoke. She reached out and took them into her own, rubbing her thumb over the knuckles slowly as though she were relearning the contours of his fingers and the textures of his palms. Her fingertips grazed the numbered tattoo that had been his prison identity. I'm sorry. Don't, he muttered, and pulled his hands away from her when she went to touch the Azkaban mark again. I need to say it. I... I can't do this, Maya. We can't pretend that it didn't happen, she told him as he stood up and moved away from her. I need to get it out. I don't want to get it all out, he argued. I want to just... just enjoy the fact that you're here and alive and you know who the fuck I am for the first time in years. We can't move on until we do this serious. You need to. The rage and grief filled him up inside, making his body feel cold. He hated the cold. It sank into his bones and made everything ache. Furious at the reminder, he spun on her. You let me rot in Azkaban for twelve fucking Years. Damn her, she didn't even look surprised. I betrayed Remus. Peter betrayed us all, but you betrayed me, Maya. You knew. You knew everything, and you let it happen. He turned away from her and ran his fingers through his hair. Breathing hard, he walked to the corner of the room and pressed his forehead against the wall, bracing himself. Marlin, I... Please, just yell at me. I need you to be angry at me, too. Tell me what you're thinking. Maya did not know what she was thinking. Not really. She knew she had no desire to yell at him. He was right. She had allowed it to all happen and spent years hating herself for not doing anything to stop it. Trying to redeem her inaction now felt foolish in itself. There was truly nothing she could do to make up for what she had allowed to transpire, and a simple apology would not fix anything. It would be insulting to even think it would make up for twelve years in hell. What's that face for? <laughs> she's got her tongue out and she's biting it. <laughs> she's just making this face. <laughs> I love that face. <laughs> okay, now you're just being goofy. You got your concentration face on. Yeah, because it was just getting good and then you stopped because you're salivating. <laughs> so <laughs> I was on the edge of my seat and now you just put me back. Sorry, sorry. I'll reel you back in. It would be insulting to even think it would make up for twelve years in hell. Sirius must have known it too, which was likely why he pleaded with her to yell at him. So she did. I begged you to trust Remus. Her voice started out as a whisper, but gradually increased in volume. 
told you specifically not to trust Wormtail, and you did it anyway. If you couldn't make Remus the secret keeper, you should have kept it to yourself. But I'm not even angry about that, she admitted, and Sirius turned around to look at her confused. I knew what was going to happen to Jamie. I knew it had to happen because in any other circumstance, Lily wouldn't have had a chance to protect Harry the way she did. But I am angry because instead of taking care of Harry like you were supposed to, you let Dumbledore give him to Petunia and Vernon. He should have been with you and Remus. And I begged you to learn Occlumency and you did it. And I'm also mad about that. <laughs> it arises again. <laughs> Never let it die. Any chance I get. Any chance, man. Sirius silently agreed and reached out, pulling her into his arms, kissing her hair. Slowly, they both began to calm down and he whispered, I'm sorry, in her ear. Me too, she mumbled against his chest. Are we okay? She pulled away and looked up into his gray eyes, ignoring the age lines around them that signified not laughter, but hardship. I'm here. I'm not leaving. And I love you. Sirius sighed with relief at her words. Come to bed. She pulled him to the large four-poster where they both crawled beneath the covers, Sirius still in his clothes. He pulled her against his chest and she settled a hand on his sternum, fiddling with a button on his shirt. Was it enough? She whispered. Did I love you enough to make up for what you had to endure? He closed his eyes and breathed out shakily. No. But we've got the rest of our lives to fix that. Oh my god, it's September 21st. <laughs> Holy crap. <laughs> Holy crap, guys. We've moved on to another day. <sighs> what is this? The winter solstice? Is that the longest day of the year? Summer solstice. Yeah, no. Yeah, and that's in go. June. Summer. But yeah. yeah. <laughs> Jesus. September 21st, 1998. When the sun broke over the horizon and flooded the east-facing windows of Grimold Place, Sirius stirred awake to find a witch in his arms. His witch. He grinned brightly, savoring the last moments of a, perfect, of a night of perfect sleep, something he had not enjoyed in nineteen years. In the quiet early morning, he could hear the others in the house moving around. Ron had apparently returned, seeking out Harry and food. He could overhear Remus talking about a bakery down the street that made chocolate-covered croissants and eclairs. With a plan set in motion, the three other occupants departed Grimwood Place through the front door, closing it quietly behind them so as not to waken Walburga's portrait. Serious? Maya mumbled upon waking. He smiled down at her when she rolled over, her sleep-messed hair wild and carefree. Good morning, kitten. I have a question, she said with a smile. I might have an answer. Did you... Did you date anyone after I vanished? His smile faded, and suddenly he was wishing very much that he had gone to the bakery with Ron, Harry, and Remus. 
You don't want him to answer that question. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-mm. 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 No. Even though that wasn't really dating, that was masking my pain, but still. Ooh, true. But yes, this is not going to go well. No, it's not. Oh, uh, God, you're going to love the next episode. Guys, I can already hear her screams. Uh, but before we get there, we need to thank this week's patrons. We'd like to thank our foxes, Montana, Muggle Trucker, Tyler Maria, Anthony, Jade, Claire Soothes My ADHD Goblin Brain, Professor Magana Got It Going On, Lisa, Tori, Camille, Morgan, Kiera, Leanne, Sierra, Stacy, Shannon, Martina, Bridget, Sandra, Kayla, Jordan, Claire, Kyla, Diana, Nicole, Sarah, Kenny, Amber, Ryland, Ash, Carissa, April, Kaylin, Audrey, Joshua, Kara, Melissa, another one for the baby jar, Kara, Crystal, Sarah, Ryder, Catherine, Crystal, Shauna, Cassie, Chris, Sylvia, Juliana, Jillian, Rachel, Cauldron Mist, Kendra, Samantha, Miriam, Becky, Misha, Elias, Dan, Montana, Frau Holly, Matthew, and Jasmine. And thank you once again to all of our August patrons. We appreciate everything you do for us and the pod, for keeping us running, and all of that good stuff. Um, I know I've talked about it a bajillion times, but every member of the Millennial Illuminati is now in a semi-permanent home, which means that we are going to be recording the intro episode soon, and we'll hopefully have that dropped sometime within the next month. So if you are interested in current events and love to hear my dulcet tones, check us out. I will let you guys know when the first episode drops. Very excited to be expanding my podcast career. And also for having people to talk politics with so Kat doesn't have to, you know, rip her ears out. Fun fact, I can't remember if I've mentioned this previously or not, but you can create a list on Facebook. You have to do it on the desktop version, but you can create a list. I created a list of people that I enjoy talking politics with who are not obnoxious and don't post things that are just, you know, blatantly, you know, triggering to try and get a rise out of people. Um, I even asked friends if they would like to continue receiving my political updates. A couple people responded that they did. And I created a list of approximately 60 people who I enjoy interacting with. Kat is not one of them. And as a result, Kat has not seen a single political post from me in two years. And Kat, this is an audio podcast. Uh, And that brings me much joy and has been so grateful. To my tiny little heart. Yes, yes. Originally, I- if I had other people on there that would just do the same for me, that would be lovely. I think Facebook needs to just offer that as a standard like option. You have approximately 37 friends who share your political beliefs. Would you like to create a list with them so that you only interact with them? Um, no, but it's great. Because I don't think Facebook should be a place for that, period. But that's another conversation for another day because I am not having the energy for this today. Now, I, th- I think Facebook has become more of the real world than the real world is. It's Whatever. Facebook is the world's largest water cooler at the office. Um, but the good news is there are lots of places on the internet that are safe from 
safe-ish from politics. You can kind of adjust your algorithm a bit better. Yeah. Instagram. In- Instagram, <laughs> TikTok, Snapchat. They're basically everything but Facebook. Um, the issue with Facebook and politics is that Facebook promotes things that get reactions. And they especially promote things that people comment on in political discourse generally draws the most comments which means it is the most promoted which means it shows up on your page the most most um there's a documentary somewhere on netflix that i watched um can't fucking remember the name of it if somebody one of you remembers this please post it but it was essentially they they interviewed a bunch of people who had worked with youtube and pinterest and facebook and all those sorts of things um and, and they were talking to like the founders of apps who limit their children's access to technology because they know how addicting it is um and that the Facebook algorithm purposefully promotes things that enrages people because people who are enraged are more likely to comment and like and react. And that keeps them on Facebook longer, which means they are looking at more advertisements, which means Facebook makes more money. Something is always selling something. Nothing is free. If they're not selling you a product, you are the product. And in the case of Facebook, you are. You are the person viewing advertisements, which is making Facebook money. So that is my reminder to be aware that you're not actually mad. You're being forced to be mad. And you don't have to be mad because you can just turn it off. Unless they are directly insulting you or your mama. In which case, you can still also turn it off. But it's all very exciting and horrifying and really just kind of dystopia ick dystopic dystopic and yeah. we will see you next i enjoyed for the love <laughs> of god yeah sorry i wax on poetic <laughs> we will see you next fire whiskey friday <laughs> hey there's only one snorter in this podcast and that's me that sounds wrong. To be fair, I did start <laughs> snorting after. <laughs> We're talking about the laughs, not the cocaine. Um, also, hilarious. Final thing. Um, I'm porpoising. I said cocaine. And the first thing that popped up into my brain was, I hope that doesn't get us censored. Which then reminded me that um, for those of you who are in our Facebook group, you did see this. If you're not in our Facebook group, um, we hit the top... 112 we hit the 112th rank of top russian fiction podcasts um or fiction podcasts streamed in russia uh, which is hilarious because we clearly do not speak russian other than you know dravitsya dasvidanya privet spasiba that's the extent vodka. of my russian um t- vodka uh privet but anyway um we apparently only have eight listeners cool. in Russia. So shout out to you eight for apparently binging us so hard that we hit the top 120 of fiction podcasts in Russia. Um, also very excited that we are still streaming in Russia, considering the number of times that we have said, fuck Putin. And in case we haven't said it recently, fuck Putin. <laughs> I'm not trying to get us blamed. Uh, banned in Russia. I promise Russian fans we love you. We appreciate that you listen to us. But I'm going to disagree what your man is doing in countries that don't belong to him. 
But anyway, okay, we already did it once, but we're going to do it again. We will see you next. Fire Whiskey Friday. Whatcha? Thank you for listening to another episode of Fire Whiskey and Honey. A special thank you to Shyalani for allowing us to read your story. And thank you to Blue Ivy Creations for creating our logo and Hannah Beth for editing our episodes. You can find us on Instagram at FWHpod. And on Twitter at FWHpodcast. And on our website, FWHpod.com. If you enjoy this podcast and would like to support and get extra content, please support us on Patreon and review us on Apple Podcasts. Thank you to those who support us already. We wouldn't be here without you. See you next Fire Whiskey Friday. Mm-hmm.